Hello and welcome back to Cuban Serenade, a podcast series exploring the history of Cuban music in Canada. We are Freddy Monasterio and Karen Dubinsky. In this episode, we switch our focus from the vibrant Cuban scene in Toronto to the West Coast, specifically to Smithers, BC, from where Juno, Latin Grammy and Grammy Award-winning singer, composer and multi-instrumentalist Alex Cuba has developed one of the most successful careers for a Cuban musician in the diaspora. Is Alex Cuba the epitome of a Cubanadian? At least among musicians, he's one of the first. In our founding episode, we introduced Chicho Valle, a Cuban singer and band leader who came to fame on CBC radio and Toronto hotel nightclubs between the 1940s and the 1970s. He was a talented and beloved band leader, but his band was essentially a cover band, playing popular Cuban and Latin American tunes for a largely white Anglo audience. He was often literally the only Cuban in the room. Decades later, Alex Cuba built a successful, award-winning career in Canada, writing and performing all of his own music. But in some ways, he faced similar circumstances. Alexis Puentes came to Canada for the first time in 1995, touring with his father's band. Hailing from Artemisa, a small town in western Cuba, about an hour outside Havana, Alex grew up in a musical family. His brother Adonis is also a musician in Canada. The group was invited to tour Canada in 1995 as part of a celebration to mark the 50th anniversary of diplomatic relations between the two countries. They toured from Halifax to Victoria. On the West Coast, he met Sarah Goodacre, who came from a prominent family as well. Her father was an NDP member of provincial parliament and active in local politics in the town of Smithers in northern BC. They dated very long distance for several years, and in 1999, Alex moved to Canada. Most Cuban musicians are influenced by American music. That is something that we all know. That goes to say that from Cuba, right, you know, in my years of a bass player and really loving jazz music and, and all of the amazing bass players in the world, to whom I had access thanks to a teacher that I had there, But back then we were sharing, sharing this information on cassette tapes, you know, and whatever we could find. But I, I was lucky to have a teacher who, um, you know, will travel or know people that, would, that were traveling and somehow he, he will get this information. So I, from very early, I was very influenced and very touched and very interested in American music, you know. And that com combined, of course, with Cuban music at the same time. When, when I moved to Canada, I think what happened to me, number one was that for some reason, I felt that the fact that I didn't have an immediate Latin audience in front of me, you know, like a market, right? Instead of, of course, I know that many of us get scared of that, you know, it's like, oh my God, did I come to the right place? But instead of me feeling scared, I don't know why, maybe it's because I was already married, I already had a kid. And I was decided, you know, to make Canada work. But I didn't see it as, as, a, as a limitation or I didn't, I didn't get afraid of it. I saw it as an opportunity, actually, to really, to really let creativity go, you know, and, and, and do whatever it takes to, in, order, in order to find something unique, something beautiful. Of course, I think it's, it's a good idea. Of course, I didn't, I wasn't singing yet. And singing, of, of course, is a big part of my sound. I wasn't, I was writing songs already, but I wasn't thinking yet at the beginning that I got to kind of my, of, you know, myself becoming front man for what I do. But the vision that the space was a good thing and that also good music will go, go beyond language barrier, that was a very early vision for me. And I still, I still feel that way today. el juego 
de mirarnos y no decir nada Voy a desatar el fuego que enciendes con tu mirada Hoy te llevaré hasta un mundo nuevo para decirte que te quiero So, in, in many ways, what Canada did for me in regards to my sound was that all of those American intertwined with Cuban music, you know, sort of influences, they, this ground, this country allowed me to make them real. Because and what, I mean by, by, what I mean by that is that in Cuba, when most musicians, at least from my generation and beyond, are influenced by, by American music, they don't have access to the technology, to the equipment, to the things that we need in order to get, for example, a really great guitar sound or a really great drum sound, which is very important you know, in American music and in any kind of music. But so in Canada, I found a way to amplify my influences by making them sound real. You know, it's not that I'm all the, it's not that there are all the sudden I want to get this sound, but I'm not quite getting it. And that makes me somebody that is trying, you know, I can see, I can hear the influence, but the sound is not serious, you know. I was lucky, I was lucky to work with people that understood my influences and my curiosity about the sounds and allow me to take it to the next level, to lay them down for real, you know. And therefore, you know, over the years, I've gotten so many people from Cuba asking me, how do I get guitar sounds? How do I get bass sounds? All of that. And that's how I think where Canada has played a big role. Needless to say that also in the effort, because I think when you start translating your culture into your new country, I think if you do the right way, that is also, that is also the formation of a sound. What I mean by that is that in Cuba, we are used to have really complex arrangements. You know, you write a song, you take it to the arranger, and you better be careful because the, the, the ranger is going to steal your place. You know, he says, you're going to hear an amazing arrangement, but where is the song? <laughs> you know, so I, I give that to Canada because in the effort of me translating, translating my music and making it clear, more accessible to everybody, it was necessary to pay attention to the density of, of my arrangements and to go with the attitude of we're going to do just the necessary, just the things that will tell people, yeah, he's, yeah, he's Cuban, but wow, I still hear the song. You know what I'm saying? And that mentality is interesting because at the beginning, that mentality, uh, mentality that I started manifesting my music will get musicians in Havana going, oh, come on, man, you're missing stuff on your music. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, no, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't live in Cuba anymore. You know, I, I can't make music pretending that I, that I never left Cuba. So somehow I found this, this global pulse of music and, and defended and started then once that became my true um, universe and, and there was no other way of thinking, then it became very natural, really, you know. Every time I think about something now, it already comes that way, you know? It's super funny too, because I even got gotten people from Cuba asking me on social media, hey, your sound is very different. Are, are, you, are you from Cuba? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it made me an amazing laugh. Yes, I'm from Cuba. En Artemisa, la tierra que me ha dado la sonrisa, no te hace falta ser inteligente para bailar el son con su montuno sabroso. Hey, dice la gente, ahí hay un bongo cero diferente Que se rompe las manos porque siente Que darle duro al cuero es su cumplido, es su suerte Sí, y qué bongo Toca el señor Toca, toca Don Quimillón Alex spoke a lot about his early musical influences in Cuba which took some complex and surprising turns. We mostly in Cuba get influenced, of course, whatever is on, on the news, whatever is mainstream. In my case, I remember finding Michael Jackson when I was 11 years old. And Michael Jackson has a lot to do with the way I understand groove today, the concept of groove, which is, I don't know, I like to put this in, in more sort of technical 
terms, but it, it all comes down, to, I have to say this way, the concept of groove I have found in, during my career that is very different to the concept of sabor, which is something that, you know, what we have in Cuban music. Those two things, they don't, they, they don't come from the same mentality. Groove is based on repetition, on holding it down, hammering to the floor a beat. Sabor is very improvisational in the moment. You got the bongo, you got... It's a constant jam, right? So when you say to, to a musician, hold it down, stay steady. Do, you know, sometimes it, it, it makes them feel weird because they feel that they don't understand, they don't have freedom, you know, <laughs> musically. Most of the stuff that are on the, on, you know, on, on, on the mainstream, and what, what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of funk, jazz is a big one, you know, the era of the big bands. We can hear that through Perez Prado, Benny Moray, all of that. That's straight American music, you know, with the Cuban syncopation and the Cuban way of orchestrating it. But it, 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 its roots is in the United States, you know, we, we all know that. And, and, and then in recent generations, I guess, or, you know, I mean, rock music, et cetera, et cetera. In my case, it was heavily jazz. I have to say jazz, and then a little bit of Michael Jackson. But for example, something that has come to define my career quite a bit, because people tend, you know, when they talk about me and the stuff, they feel my music as something very soulful. What's funny about, about this is that soul music wasn't that exposed for us in Cuba. Like, I, for example, I never heard Bill Withers' music in Cuba. When I, when I was growing up, I got to hear his music for the first time in 1999 when I got to Canada. And I asked my father, for example, do you know who Bill Will is? And he doesn't know. He, he wouldn't know. And so, yeah, it's mainly, mainly just funk, rock, whatever it was on the mainstream, whatever was more popular. Lola, ya no eres la misma muchacha que maldito te robó la gracia. Baby, me hace falta mucha falta. Alex builds and organizes his career in Canada differently from and facing different challenges than Canadian born musicians. That, that, is a, that is a big explanation for that. But let me allow, let, let me, allow me to say, first of all, I only have one manager in my career, and that was from 2008 to 2012. From that point forward, it's been my wife and I, you know, driving this boat. And it's been, it's been interesting. It's very interesting, you know, to be your own manager. It's been difficult. It's been beautiful. It's been all of it. You know, I, 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 am, I value very much the experience that we both have developed together. And, and I think now we are ready to even branch out and help other, other musicians. Sara, tú no me agradezcas nada, que todo, todo te lo debo, Sara, tu sonrisa y tu mirada, son mi alegría y mi consuelo, Sara, que sería de mi vida, de haberme yo perdido el placer de estar contigo en este amor que nos unió. My first album, what, what came to me one time, and it might have been influenced by the power of Buena Vista Social Club project, which was the approach that they had from the beginning was pretty much a brand. You know, they, they did the Buena Vista Social Club present, and then they, they started creating albums forever. All of, you know, for Omara, for Manuel Galvan, for, you know, everybody under the, the umbrella of Buena Vista Social Club present. That's how my name comes to me. It was Alex Cuba band first and i recorded my first album was recorded uh, between havana and england london under the name of uh, alex cuba band i liked it when the name came to me i wasn't even thinking that i was going to be the main singer on all of the songs i was thinking to create a project to feature having me as the music director as the as the songwriter as the producer all of that but with a wide very wide variety of, of singers and, and expressions and people from everywhere, you know, under the Alex Cuba band. That was the idea. And that name, as soon as that name came to me, I loved it because, you know, I think artistically, I guess, 
and I saw, I, I pictured it already, three words of four letters each. You know, it was perfect. It was Alex Cuba band. It was powerful. It was like, yeah, you know, I got this. And I went and did my first album. And the album did very well in the UK. It was licensed by a label, an independent label there, but they managed to have, get me on the radio. I had a song on that album that is a duet with a Canadian singer-songwriter, Ron Sexton. And that song got on, 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 on the airwaves, you know, and it, and it was starting to, you know, to, to, to do something. And, and then it moved, the album moved, moved a few units or whatever, and all of this to say that when it was time for me then to go and, and put my second album together. But I, I got to say something else before I say that. The sound that I got on my first album is more traditional. Some people will even try saying that I was the son of somebody in Buena Vista as a club, you know, one of the musicians. Oh, Alecua, you know, because the sound was very traditional. I didn't picture that sound at the beginning. I already knew that I wanted to mix stuff. You know, I wanted to have something way funkier. I wanted to use Harmon B3s. I wanted to use electric guitars. I wanted to use drum sets, all of that. But when it was time for me, because the album was going to be recorded in England first, and then fly to Havana to overdub the Cuban touches, meaning horns, percussion, a little piano, all of that, right? To sort of marry in the best way possible uh, where I am right now with my roots, or my roots with where I am right now. And it's, I mean, in other words, I have the sound that I have today already in mind. But sometimes, sometimes the artistic mind could be ahead of yourself. And life brings you to reality. You know, you got to take the steps. But in my case was, uh, when it was time for me to go to England to begin the recording of my album, I sent my passport, my Cuban passport. I was still only Cuban back, back then. That was, I'm talking 2003, 2003. My passport, uh, before that, my passport, I don't know if you remember those Cuban passports that they were so bad that the booklet will fall and the cover will stay, you know. Uh, so uh, that happened to me. I sent it to the Cuban consulate to be fixed or whatever they could do. And you know what they did for me? They taped it. Quick, you know, to hold it to the... And they sent it back to me saying, this is good. You're good to go. Man, I sent that passport to the British High Commission in Ottawa to try to, you know, try to get a visa from them. And they, I wasn't hearing back. And well, what's going on? They sent it back to me in an envelope and they said, we can't issue a visa on this passport. This is not even legal. <laughs> you need a new passport before we, we can give you a visa. And at that time, I, I was like, what? So I was like, oh my God. Because I was like very excited about beginning the recording of the album. And this was meaning pretty much that it wasn't going to happen, right? So I phoned the producer and he said to me, can you get into Havana with that passport? And I said, well, they better let me in. They just did this for me, right? said, okay, let's change our plan. Let's go to Havana first. In Havana, I put together pretty much the same band that I used to play with before I left. I was, I don't know if you ever heard of the band Temperamento, Roberto Fonseca and Temperamento. Now he, he I think he migrated from that name and now he's just Roberto Fonseca. I am a, a founder member of that band. I was the bass player on that band. And so I, 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 I found the drummer Ramses. I, I found the percussionist Emilio de Monte, Milito de Monte. I found... A few of the musicians from that band and, and created the band in Havana to record. And when we started record, recording, they, the producer from England fell in love with the sound because it is a magical place and, and, and the way we do music, if you, it was amazing. I already had that vision that we were talking at the beginning of simplifying, of translating my roots in a more accessible way. So it was, in many of the songs, it was quite the fight because 
to make a QA musician play simple sometimes is difficult. And we were like, no, 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 simple. Well, what do you want? What do you? They started getting a little, you know, upset and 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 mad and stuff like that until everybody, you know, clicked to the vibe and then they they got it. But it was an amazing process. I really enjoyed it. So I put that band together and whatever we we recorded in Havana to the producer that I ended up being the co-producer and co-produced the album. In the end, the sound was magical. So, but I still was thinking and hoping that then when I finally got a visa to go to England, all of those sounds that I envisioned from the beginning were going to be incorporated, incorporated on the album, you know? And that's when the, the, the co-producer said to me, dude, what we got in our own is magical. If we touch that magic, we are going to destroy it. This is magical what we got. And then somehow he convinced me to make it, you know, all my sense. Then came the time for me to put my second album together. And I said, this time I'm not going to let anybody screw up the sound that I'm going for. It's going to happen now, no matter what. And then I went to the studio in Victoria, a whole different, you know, scenario now. And in the middle of the recording, because I, I was, basically the album was built by two musicians. The, the, the other co-producer, Joey Baker, and me, he plays a million instruments I played quite a few instruments and we did most of the album and just before I left he says to me are you thinking to change your name I'm like what do you mean he says well to me you are not a band you're not Alex Cuba band to me you are a solo art but at that moment it was too risky to erase the Alex Cuba band sort of you know and I said well it's either Alex Cuba or Alexis Puentes and I opted for Alex Q. I said, might sound a little bit pretentious to Cuban people, but I'm not going to show any ego. I'm just going to work hard on music in creating a sound and let it be maybe that I am proud to be from Cuba or whatever it is, you know. But the truth behind that, the name is that it migrated from, it changed from Alex Cuba band to Alex Cuba. Alex began his career in Canada in the city of Victoria on Vancouver Island. We asked him about how Victoria was for him as a place to launch a career as a performing musician in a new country. When we showed up, my brother came to Canada. He went to Victoria about eight months before I did. And it was something completely unexpected because I was already married and, and I was already a father. I was waiting for my visa, landing immigrant you know, status to come to me. And it was taking forever. And all of a sudden, somebody phones my house in Cuba and at Temisa. A leader of the band looking for for a singer to go to come to Canada on on a, on a tour, and my brother all the sudden without knowing that he was going to to come all the sudden that that opportunity comes for him and he came. Uh, we were in Canada before that, once before that, and I went. We all went back to Cuba, of course. Uh, that's when I met my wife, and things began for me, you know, to be a little different. But my brother, yeah, all the sudden he comes to Victoria before me, and I'm like, whoa. So I waited a few more months, and once he knew that I was coming to Canada, he made made the decision to stay in Canada. Basically, say I'm not going to go back to Cuba. So when I got to Victoria, he wasn't the only one that made the decision. That band that he came as part of, yeah, about five musicians from that band decided to stay behind, you know, in Victoria, and they started grabbing shows, playing, you know, local shows, however they could, you know, try to make noise. But it was essentially uh, no one in the band either wrote music or arranged music. So basically they became a cover band. And my brother started saying, hey, you guys, when my, 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 bro my brother Alex is coming. He's coming soon. So he's, he's going to, he writes music and, and he can arrange for the band. And guys, things are going to change. So when I got there, yeah, there was this Cuban band. They, they called themselves, I think, Havana Jam. It was a band just designed to play at a restaurant every Friday or a, or a nightclub, you know, every Friday kind of thing. But it wasn't anything thinking beyond that, anything professional, anything. No one had the idea that if you do something seriously, music-wise, you could, you could get in the, in the regular channels of, of touring in Canada. You can find an agent, you, you know, you, all of that, right? So I got there and I see that no one was taking music seriously. They made me the music director of the band immediately. I was playing the bass and directing the band and arranging. But no one, no one really had that desire to take it to the next level. And I remember talking to the guy that actually housed 
kind of house all of the musicians that stay behind was another Cuban that has been living to, in Victoria for like 10 years or something. And I remember talking to him and I said, hey, Ariel, Ariel was his name. How can we find some business here, man, for music? This, is this all we're going to do? Like play at this nightclub every twice a month or something like that? That's it. Come on, man, I have original music. And he told me, straightforward to my face. Don't you dare even try, man. And nobody, this music here, nobody cares about it. Nobody. This is all there is for us. I said to him, I don't know where I got this from, but I said it to him. I said, you, no, you, you have to be wrong. Maybe you're saying that because all of the material that you're playing with this band, and he was also playing another band in, in Vancouver. He was also a bass player. It's all covers. But maybe if you were a writer, you know, if you were a composer, a songwriter, or whatever, maybe you think differently about it. Or if you believe in yourself as a musician. I'm going to prove you wrong, buddy. I'm going to prove you wrong. 11 months went by. And I landed a re recording deal from a record label in Toronto. I landed it in Victoria. All, all I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to make myself look like a god. All I'm trying to say is that what it takes is a vision and discipline towards that vision. And so I got a phone call. I mean, the first thing that I did when I got to Victoria was I, I wanted to make a living from music. That's the only thing I, I felt that I knew how to do. I make, made a little sign saying, new Cuban hot bass player in town, lessons, whatever. And we took that to every music store in town. And so I was teaching, I did some teaching for a little while. One day we, I got this phone call from a band that was looking for a bass player. I remember we were out for a walk, came back home. That was the, the little light flashing, you know, in the days of the answering machine. I see that, oh, I started listening to it. I, my, my English was very bad. Back then I, I had a, a lot of trouble understanding stuff on the phone. And, and but I, I heard like, I'm looking for a bass player that I got. And then I, I got super excited. I passed the phone down to, to Sarah and, can you, can you tell me what this is? It was one guy looking for a bass player for, for a show that he was doing. Uh, it was a band that had some sort of African vibe to it. And I got super excited because to me, it meant, yes, I'm connecting with the Canadian scene, music scene, you know? Because I didn't want, I made a decision. I didn't want to, you know, like corner myself. That I knew that that was a mistake. You know, only go speak Spanish. What, what did I emigrate for them, you know? The message said, can you come tomorrow? Can you come by tomorrow afternoon? And I couldn't, I couldn't help but this. I was so excited. I went there the next day to the address that he gave us. He was in a recording studio. He had his band set up there. He was in, in a recording engineer. He had a studio. When I, I'm getting there, I'm like, oh my God, this is a recording studio. Oh my God. So I started formulating ideas and I started getting excited. They gave me a song for me to play. I played it. They all uh, loved what I did. They, um, they actually got very happy. So we rehearsed twice and then a show. But I kept formulating ideas in my mind. When we finished the show, I said to the guy, hey, dude, I don't have any money, but I have music. I have original music. Can we make a deal? I give you 50% of the profit. If we, if we make an album and whatever comes in, I give you 50% of it. The guy was so good. So a nice guy that he said, oh, Alex, come on, man. I know you're new in the country. 50 is too much. I'd be fine with 15, right? I said, okay, 10. You know, we started laughing, whatever, right? But then a couple of weeks, of weeks went by and all of a sudden, Buena Vista Social Club gets on the news. They were coming to Vancouver. Ibrahim Ferrer on, 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 on the front cover of the Vancouver Sun, or all of that. And that guy, his name is Brandon, saw it. And he decided to call, to call me because he said, dude, ever since you made me that proposition of recording an album of your music, which is Q and whatever, I see Q are everywhere. <laughs> Something must be telling me, do it, you know? This is a huge sign from, from the gods. Come, come over on Monday. I had a little trio with my brother and another percussionist from, from Panama. 
It was a very odd sort of lineup. It was a guitar, congas, and bongos. That's all we had to play live. But then, of course, in the recording situation, I was going to do the bass, I would, you know, all of that. And we come, we go to his, to his studio Monday, and we started recording. He placed the microphone in front of us because the idea was to record us live on the floor, you know, exactly how we sound live. And in the middle of the, of the second song, I see him because he was on the other side of the glass, you know, in the, control, in the control room. I see him on the phone. And what did I think? I thought to myself, wow, this guy is not taking us seriously. You know, he's just blah, 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 just chatting with whoever. He was on the phone with a music distributor that lived in, lives in Victoria and he knew. And he was telling the guy, you better get your ass down here. I'm experiencing music magic in front of me. There is some Cuban guys new here. And I don't know what it is, but this, this, this shit sounds good to me. And excuse my, 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 my French. The guy got there. We didn't, we didn't know who he was. He was watching us recording, you know. And before you know, he phoned his partner in Toronto. His name is Peter Cardinali. Maybe Karen knows who's, who Peter Cardinali is. Because he, he, he has Hilario Grand Sign to his label now and all of that. So Peter Cardinali is a, he's a legendary producer. Arranger, all of that from Toronto. He used to work with Anne Mary and, and a few other things. And he made quite the statement musically back in the 70s and stuff like that. But anyway, he fell in love. Before you know, we had this guy on an airplane in Toronto flying down to Victoria to see us. One Canadian music journalist wrote that Alex Cuba reimagined the music of his homeland by cutting back on the showmanship and dialing up the soul. When Alex spoke about Cuban musicians reacting to his music as though it was missing something, we were curious about how he interpreted that. What does it mean for him to be so clearly rooted in Canada for more than two decades, but while still remaining connected to Cuban sounds? Is there a Cuban-Canadian sound? Canada is a country with a small diaspora, without a long history. Is it possible to even speak of a Cuban-Canadian sound? I am pretty confident that by now uh, people identify my sound. And, and it's, it's, I think it's a sound that stands alone. I don't see that in any other Cuban musician in Canada. In fact, I still see a lot of, of Cuban attitudes, you know, when it comes to, to, to the, the way that the music, the music is produced in, in, in Canada. It's almost like they, they can't let go of Havana, you know, in their mind. And I mean, that's fine. That's, those are your roots. But I, I have something about being, being in the present moment that for me creates in a more powerful way than, than creating from the past, you know? Uh, yeah, I think you're looking at it. You're looking at, at a Cuban Canadian sound. I like Cuba. That's the sound that I am. And I am super proud of that because no Cubans in Cuba sound like me and no um, Canadian sounds like me, you know, that sort of vibe. That sort of vibe. For whatever it's worth, whether it's good or bad, or whether it's missing something, whether it has too much or whatever, or whatever it worth is, I think that's the reason why the Grammys cease it. And I'm going to say this very carefully. Latin music, Cuban music, is very young in Canada. When I started incorporating elements that will forever design a sound for me, reaffirm, create a sound for me, a few people in Canada saw it that, oh, it's losing its Cubanness. But the Grammys see it as this guy is pushing forward Latin music. And it's very tricky because the reason why I'm, I feel that I'm doing that is because I'm in Canada. And here I have to be having to be very strong so that, I, that, that a festival director will, you know, give me, give me the, the cold shoulder because they think that Cuban, Cuban musicians should not play electric guitar. Otherwise, it's not Cuban music. You know, things like that. I've been almost like 
God forgive her. She doesn't know what she's talking about, but time will tell. That sort of vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so beautiful for me because the fact that I have created a sound here means so, so many things to me. It means that I actually love where I am. It means that I respect this place. It means that when you have talent, you create whatever you have around you. You're no, never, oh, if I have that, that you have far away from you. No, no, no. That is, I haven't, I haven't, thanks to the support I have around me, thanks to my biggest supporter, you know, to my wife, Sarah, I haven't fallen asleep in, 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 in the nostalgia. Dice así. Me llegó en un texto en inglés de alguien que no entiende lo español. Así fue tan directo. Sé que usted argumenta, sabe bien que el momento llama la atención. Por favor, no se ofenda. Yo quiero decirle que cambie su canto medio fe. En una madrugada Que me desvele de inocente Al tocar la radio solo ayer La sinfonía del temor Sin piedad, sin perdón Empujando tanto, tanta desilusión Cantando de alegría la vida es mejor Cantando de alegría se vive mejor Aquella melodía que quita el dolor Que solo a ti te diga cómo es el amor Es capaz, continuaba It's very important for me to say the, that I don't aim at sounding like something. That something is never in my mind. The only something in my mind is the song that I'm writing, the music that I'm hearing in my mind, and myself. Whatever that sounds like is going to sound like me. Now, if from that point forward, people say, oh, that's very Cuban. Oh, that's very, whatever it is. I let them do that. My responsibility is to land what comes to me. And, and I have fun. Believe me, I have fun doing that. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know? Um, but the songwriting process for me is still a mystical thing. Because when I engage with creativity in that sense of, of writing, And, and it's, it's very weird because almost anything that crosses my mind or anything that anybody says in front of me or even a car goes by and honks and the honk is like, whatever, I hear music everywhere. Anything sounds like a song. And I become such an antenna that sometimes it throws me into this really weird world, you know, that I'm, I, could go, I could be going crazy for like a week writing Three, four songs at the same time. Yeah, it happened to me before. I, I have melodies that have woke me up in the middle of the night. Basically, I'm dreaming something, and I hear a melody in a dream, and all of a sudden I woke up, and I run to my computer or my phone or whatever, and, and, you know. But I take the creativity process very seriously. And, and again, I've been lucky to have somebody who believe in me and believe uh, on the, uh, in the beauty, because... Life gets in the middle to, for so many people, you know, and so many people don't have the time to pay attention to that. But when it happens to me, I'm fortunate that I, you know, the space is mine. I, 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 have, I find the space to listen to, to whatever is coming to me. And, and to, if, if I have to become, go out of myself, I even do that. We always know that I'm going to come back after I, I landed everything that was there for me. So in, in creativity in, and the songwriting process happens in many ways. Some songs come complete, like if somebody was dictating it in my ear. That is a song on my new album, uh, on my latest album, a song that I ended up doing as a duet with Lila Downs. It's called um, Mundo Nuevo. That, that song, I downloaded it like if somebody was dictating it to me. My mind, I mean, my fingers couldn't keep, keep up with what I was thinking, right? I'm writing it on my phone, and wow. And songs like that, when, when that happens, which happens once in a while, not all the time. If it happens all the time, I would be crazy right now. But, but songs like that, when they happen, they always leave you wondering where music comes from, you know. And that very wondering process, I think, is what keeps creativity 
happening, you know, because you never get to be that confident about writing a song. At least, at least that's my case. When I'm done with a creative moment or, or, or um, time like, that could go from two days to a week to two weeks, when that leaves me, it's like I'm empty. And all of a sudden, I even get the feeling that maybe I, I would never write a song again. You know, it's the most freaky thing ever, right? But uh, it is a beautiful thing to, to, to know because I, I have learned to trust myself and say, you know what? I felt like this before. Whatever it takes, maybe it takes two months, three months I don't write me a song again, but it always, it always comes back. And it tells you, it happens to me when I'm more in tune with myself, when I'm uh, content, let's put it away. I write always, music always comes to me from, from, from a, a, a happy positive place when i'm not feeling happy or satisfied or whatever you know i don't i don't i don't even think about music in those moments you know but when i'm happy you know i got a, i got an email you know got this oh wow wow boom melodies sometimes come down rushing you know because i'm all the time i fine tune myself and connected with my higher self i guess and that had taught me a lot about myself and there was a time where i was thinking I was thinking, man, what, 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 what are people going to think about me that I, I don't know, that I, that, that I write music when I'm high or something because all my music's happy. And almost that I, almost that I am negating the, the, the reality of life, you know, that it's not only all the time, you know, uh, happy. But then I, I saw Manu Chao giving an interview and he said in there that, to him, music is like a therapy. He, he's mad, sad, whatever. And he grabs the guitar and he starts writing a song and he sort of heals him, right? But that he recognizes that writing a song, at least for, for him, from a happy state of mind, is way more difficult, you know, because he doesn't take himself seriously. And when I saw that, I went like, wow, okay. I guess that's who I am. Unless it's time to embrace that. Introspection is definitely a key word to describe the content of many of Alex's songs. He occasionally writes about the state of the world or about his given roots. But he writes a lot about intimacy, especially about love. Musically, he ranges from pop to rock, to soul, to the entire spectrum of Latin sounds. Cumbia, changui, song, boleros, salsa, and definitely trova or folk. In his past two albums, in particular Sublime and Mendo, he has teamed up with a who's who of Cuban and other Latin American musicians. From Cuba contemporary stars like Kelvis Ochoa and Sima Funk, icons like Pablo Milanes and Omar Portuondo. He's also recorded duets with Mexico's Lila Downs and Puerto Rico's Gilberto Santa Rosa. Se lleva por las apariencias Quien esconde toda la inocencia Quien no aprende a respetar Más de lo que alguien te pueda decir Solo juzgarlo con tu experiencia Que mirar la vida si te enseña Que las luces al brillar Están buscando el ojo Que Tiene freno ni tampoco riendas Donde si te duermes te pasan la cuenta Ya no existe el tiempo y nada es mentira ni es verdad La Habana es una ciudad hembra Que no tiene freno ni tampoco riendas Donde si te duermes te pasan la cuenta Ya no existe el tiempo y nada es mentira ni es verdad Soy el misterio de una realidad no quiere que nadie comprenda Que no deja nunca de dar vueltas Que no se puede parar Más, siempre encuentras cuando buscas más Si le das un chance a la conciencia Si total lo entiende a quien lo entienda Si tú sabes que al fin 
Alex lives in Smithers, British Columbia, which is located 1,100 kilometers north of Vancouver. Just about every interview we've read with him makes a point of remarking on the unlikeliness of finding such a skilled Cuban musician in this environment. We wanted to speak with Alex more about how he makes music in Smithers in the absence of a Cuban or Latino community, how he found backup musicians, and other concrete questions. When I moved up here, I, I, won't, I won't lie to you, there was a moment when I went, oh my God, what am I done? Oof, how am I going to play music here? Oof. And again, uh, Sarah, always at the foot of the cannon there, you know, they told me, hey, Alex, um, I, I see you heading straight to find a million excuses. If you are good at what you do, you function anywhere. And there were a couple of young musicians here. They were kids, like 16, 17, you know, that sort of. They both come from families that have maintained music, you know, in the family. And I started asking them if they wanted to jam, you know. So we, we started getting together and jamming. And it was very interesting what happened when I was giving them ideas, the way they were sending them back to me. That was a true exchange of ideas. Because they were, whatever they were getting from what I was giving them was making them send it back to me in their interpretation. When I was hearing their interpretation, I was already arranging in my mind based on what could have been that rhythmical limitations of all their difference rhythm-wise. So it was almost like we were accessing in real time and I was like all of a sudden finding simpler ways, we can call it that way, but still functional and still have, you know? And those kids have a lot to do with what happened in my career later on. You know, I, I, there is so many people that use... So many Cuban musicians are using my, my album, Agua de Pozo, a song like De Camino, as an example of something that works because I, the way I simplify the elements in there, I still leave the essence. You know, it takes, it takes some understanding of, of what you're doing, you know? And so I mean, I'm pr very proud to say that I, I have taken these two guys from Smithers and more, most recently three of them around the world with me. We even played, and I'm very proud of this, we opened for Cheryl Crow at Hollywood Ball. These two, two nights, these two kids from Smithers, you know, <laughs> play with me. And I am, that goes to say that I, that I, that I felt complete. I mean, I, I wasn't missing anything. So a lot to, that needs to be said here is, has been my willingness to adjust. Because I knew very early that the place wasn't going to adjust for me. You have to adjust to the place. And in that effort, must be growth. You might grow up. Something expands. Something becomes bigger. Something takes a new shape, unique and original. You know, that's, that's what I think about what has happened to me in, in my life and my career. And, and I'm very grateful for that. If it wasn't because I didn't have the right support in that moment of doubt that was beginning to grow rapidly inside of me. Oh my God, the mountain is beautiful, but not, I don't think I'm going to be able to play music yet. And then comes the, 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 the era of the, of the, of the high-speed internet and all of that, and that has sent, sent it to the moon for me because I, I, I write music here from people from anywhere in the world. I produce music right here for people from every, anywhere in the world. So... And luckily, I think it's a great thing for creators. It doesn't really matter anymore where you are and what matters and what, and what still matters for me and what will always matters for me is that I do something that sounds like me. When compared to the vast majority of Cuban musicians of the diaspora that we have studied and interviewed in Canada, Alex Cuba stands out as an artist who has chosen a different path to develop a career in a highly competitive market. No other Cuban artist in Canada has been so successful at achieving a sound that is original, distinctive, and at the same time, 
so universal and accessible. With one of the most sophisticated pop sensibilities that we have seen in a Cuban artist in the past couple of decades. Haz tú lo que te guste, aquí quien puede criticar. el bien y que es el mal no ya todos los conceptos se van comprometiendo yo sé que nadie ha visto algo igual la voz de una experiencia que no tiene vigencia we know about its diverse origins, Cuban music is all about authenticity, which of course is a social construct that artists like Alex Cuba are constantly challenging. From the select group of contemporary Cuban musicians that have achieved global fame, Alex is one of the few who has intentionally not tried to sound like an authentic Cuban musician. Instead, He's embraced multiple cultural influences to create his signature sound. In the process, he's helped to redefine what contemporary Cuban music is and has to offer in the 21st century. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Cuban Serenade, where we will continue exploring the history of Cuban music in Canada. Hasta pronto. Entonces tal vez me ayudes a pensar Ya todos los conceptos se van comprometiendo Yo sé que nadie ha visto algo igual La voz de una experiencia que no tiene vigencia Hablando por hablar Ya todos los conceptos se van comprometiendo que no se te olvide respirar la voz de una experiencia que no tiene vigencia habla